0: Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey, everyone. It is good to be with you today. And on this day, we are continuing through John 9. It says here, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were
1: saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No. But he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So
0: they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I
1: went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now
0: it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, so the Pharisees asked
1: him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This
0: man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? and there was a division among them so they said again to the blind man
1: what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes he said he is a prophet the
0: jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they came or until they called the parents of the man
1: who had received his sight and asked them Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How, then, does he now see? His parents answered, We know that
0: this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened
1: his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things
0: because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to
1: be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for
0: the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner.
1: He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. We're going to pause there today. As we have been going through this story, we continue
0: to build on it. and. Highlight different points, and there's so much in this text, but I want to highlight a specific point in here today. And that point is this man, as we talked about, who was blind, he was touched by Jesus. This was the process, he was touched by Jesus, he was sent by Jesus to wash, and then he was healed. And something remarkable happened to this man. Something miraculous that no one can explain. And as we've heard in this text, there's so much confusion. But something happened that cannot be denied. Jesus did something to this man. This man experienced Jesus. And as people ask him what happened and why he has changed, he shares the story. It's a simple story that Jesus washed his eyes with mud, sent him to, or or anointed his eyes with mud, sent him to go wash, and then he received his sight. This creative work that Jesus did, so simple. But it's really causing these, Radical ripples in this community, right? This man has a testimony, a story of what Jesus did in his life. And when I say that word testimony, I, I know maybe some of us who have grown up in the church, we go to the Jeremy Camp song, you know, We Will Overcome by the Blood of the Lamb and the Word of Our Testimony, which is out of Revelation 12, 11, And it's a powerful scripture talking about the work of Jesus and then the word that comes after. This man experienced Jesus in a way that he couldn't deny what Jesus had done, whether the uh, punishment or the ramifications or the consequences were catastrophic or not. What happened happened, and it was undeniable. And one of the reasons I've said in the past that this text is one of my favorite texts is because I can relate. I can relate with this man. And I want to take this opportunity to share my testimony with you, if you would listen. I grew up in a Christian home, and I know that's the start of many testimonies. But when I say that, I want to explain what I mean by that. My parents, my dad, he worked hard um, to provide for the family, and he came home, and, and he would love his kids, and he would disciple his kids, and he led by example in what it looks like to follow after God, um, grinding away in, a hot, in the hospitality industry, loving people so well. And through his example, we got a really clear picture of what it looks like to be a guy who loves people, who is working what many would call just an ordinary job, and to do it to the glory of God. My mom, she raised us, and she took care of us, and at different times she would work, but most of the time she was taking care of us kids. I have three siblings, and she has always been a prayer warrior
1: and submitted to God's call um, in her life. And I feel very blessed to grow up, have grown up in that environment.
0: For me, though, I hit this point where I was raised in church. I knew all the bible stories but i didn't know that it all pointed to this one jesus that the dots weren't connecting the wires were a little bit crossed and i hit this moment in high school where i got so confused by the fact that like i thought worship was like this experience that that i should feel something and i i stood there in worship at a youth group and I started to go like, why do why do I feel more emotional listening to Coldplay than I do here in worship, where I'm supposedly supposed to get this like feeling from God, receive this feeling from God. And so from that point, I know it sounds silly, but from that point, my doubts started to spiral. And I got caught up in the high school game of just really... Wanting to be liked by everyone, I, and I met this girl and started dating her. Before then, I had gotten into a lifestyle that is completely selfish. I don't want to glorify those things, um, but they definitely were a part of a, a symptom of something that was going on in my heart where I was just purely being selfish and unloving towards the people around me, um, unloving to myself. Um, unknowingly unloving to myself. Um, But I thought I was getting what I wanted and I was pleasing um, myself with these actions, you know. And you could go there with many different selfish actions. Um, But that was the root of it. I was just being selfish. And I delved into this relationship with this girl. I put my, my school, my success in school sort of at the wayside. I started to, my relationship with my family started to break apart. Um, I got in yelling fights with my brother and almost fist fights with my dad. I would sneak out. And, and it just sort of spiraled to a point where like after high school, I had been with this girl for three years, um, almost four. And I came home from work. I had dropped out of community college because I was trying to provide for myself and my girlfriend. And I came home and there were people snorting coke off my counter. And um, I, of course, got wasted that night and just went on with the day. And um, it was a really dark place. It was a very selfish place. And I thought I was getting what I wanted out of life.
1: And all the way along, my parents were fighting for me and contending for me.
0: So I know this podcast is primarily for the young adult community at Yakima Foursquare, but if there are any parents out there listening um, who have a son or a daughter who has delved into maybe a similar lifestyle or is being very selfish with their life. I wanna encourage you keep praying. My brother, um, you know, he had his ups and downs, but he ended up going to YWAM, youth with a mission in Perth, Australia, and um he called me on FaceTime or not FaceTime, it was Skype at the time. FaceTime wasn't really a big thing then, but uh Skype at the time and He was fasting and fasting is, of course, the practice of setting aside something, whether it be food or something that you primarily focus on to focus in on God. And he was fasting food. And I think I chided him at this point um, because I was really at a point in my life where I had told God, hey, I'm going to go at it on my own. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I'm living for you.
1: Um, I basically said, peace to God. I'll see you later. And my brother was in Perth, Australia, a part of a missions organization, Um,
0: and he was fasting. And I told him, that's stupid,
1: and why are you doing that? And he said, I can't really tell you right now. And so in that moment, I just wrote it off. Oh, he's just being a stupid Christian. And
0: then three months later, I ended up in Perth, Australia to pick up my brother from YWAM because my parents had said, hey, do you want to go to Australia? We'll pick up your brother and then we'll vacation a little bit. And no matter where you're at in your relationship with your parents or your brother or life in general, if somebody says, hey, you want to go vacation in Australia, you just say yes, right? Like that's a no brainer. So I went, and I was still dating this girl back home. I was still living my selfish lifestyle, and I went. And the first night I was there, I went out to the bars, and I just found myself in a dark alley with this girl I had just met. And at that point, I realized the one thing that I had been committed to for all those years, which was this destructive relationship I was in, I had just flushed it down the toilet. And it felt like the last piece of my life was gone. And so when I got back to the hotel room, I went out to the deck and I got down on my hands and knees and I
1: cried out to God for the first time in almost four years. And I didn't know what to do next. So I started processing this with my parents, with my brother.
0: I said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know what to do. I don't feel right about going back and pretending I'm in this relationship that I obviously wasn't committed to because of this action I took with a total stranger. It revealed what was going on in my heart and... As I'm explaining this stuff and unpacking this stuff, my brother chooses to tell me what he was
1: fasting about three months before. And this man from Papua New Guinea, because YWAM,
0: it's a culmination of people from all over the world who are just committed to bringing the gospel and the love of Jesus to the world. Um, he didn't know Chris very well, my brother. And he approached him at the YWAM base and he just said, Hey, Chris, tell me about your family. And my brother said, Well, I've got a mom and a dad who are together and I've
1: got two sisters and a brother. And this man said, Oh, so you do have a brother? And he goes, Yeah, I do. And th- so the man says to my brother, He says,
0: I've been hearing from God, and God has been telling me to tell you the next time you physically see your brother, you are physically in the same location. He is going to be going through some life-changing decisions.
1: His life is going to be changing. So my brother immediately went to a place of prayer, set aside food, so that he could pray into this and contend. And it was happening. My life was changing and something had happened. There was a shift in my heart and in my mind. And I knew that Jesus was trying to do something. that he was trying to save me and reveal himself to me. I was touched by Jesus. And I went
0: home, and I, again, I didn't know what to do except for break up with my girlfriend. And But I signed up for YWAM in Perth because I figured these people hear from God and it's real. I couldn't deny what
1: had happened. I had been this blind boy, and God touched me, and he opened my eyes. And so I went to the only place I knew to go where I,
0: obviously, people had an authentic experience, a real experience with the living
1: God. So I was touched by Jesus, and then I was sent. Somehow I felt compelled to go to Perth, Australia.
0: And there they have these weeks. I, I entered into what's called a discipleship training school. And one of the weeks is hearing God's voice. And as I'm starting to realize who this God is, and as He's being revealed to me through these classes, through this community, that like my life is going to change, my friends will be different, the way I think, the way I feel like everything was going to change, I started to panic. And this one day,
1: I, the teacher led us into this experience where
0: they were talking about listening to God and how we need to quiet ourselves and quiet our minds and quiet our hearts to listen to him and not just always be talking at
1: God, but to listen to him as well. And as all this panic is going on in my heart, I listen, and I close my eyes, and I quieted my heart. And in that moment, God gave me this vision
0: of a snowy landscape, a snowy forest where the snow is
1: lightly falling. And for the first time in my life, I experienced what I can only describe as
0: a supernatural peace. In Galatians, where it talks about the
1: fruit of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit produces peace. And it was like all my worries, all of my fears, everything subsided.
0: It was like I was still And I knew that he was God and he was in control. And for the first time in my life, I felt like God
1: spoke to me in a real and authentic way. And I don't want to be too long-winded with this. But what I'm trying to paint for you guys is
0: there is a process that just like this man was touched, by Jesus, sent, and then he was healed. I, in the same way, was touched by Jesus, this supernatural prophecy over my life. And then I went to this place. I separated my, myself from my context, and I went to this place, and I quieted myself, and I heard God, and he healed my heart. He healed my mind. And from that point on, the transformation started to happen and i could go on and on and on for hours of how god has shown up in my life how i have seen people healed through him asking me him asking me to pray for people and they were healed how he has revealed himself and what he did on the cross how he has shown my wife and i what it looks like to be discipled and and how to maybe be a part of that creative work
1: of discipling people that, man, I could go on and on and on. And it all comes from
0: this thing that God did in my life, this touch that Jesus had, and, and this sending and this healing that is undeniable to me. If somebody came up to me and said, God isn't real and would put forward some sort of great debate, I would go, then explain to me what just happened. Because I was a blind boy and now I see. Now I see the world in a new way, in a new light. I can actually
1: see there is purpose to my life. And everything good in my life has come from that moment forward. Explain that to me. And that's exactly what this man
0: is doing. And today I would ask that you would take inventory. Once again, I want to encourage you, if you are a mother or a father, and you're listening to this podcast, and and your your son or daughter is going through
1: it, keep praying. Because God will touch them. God will send them and God will heal them. Keep praying. I am a testament to that. For the rest of us, like, and, and those fathers and mothers who should, should continue to pray. I want you to take inventory. And what I mean by that is I want you to take
0: inventory of what God has done in your life. Would you take time in the next couple of days, whether it's tomorrow morning, tonight, before you go to bed, before we're together next, which we'll be back together on Friday,
1: I, I want you to take inventory and just write down all the things that God has done in your life. It says we are to be ready
0: in season and out of season. And it's by the work of the Lamb what has happened on the cross. Yeah, we need to know how to explain the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us all on the cross. But also, no one can trump a testimony in in any sort of debate, in any sort of conversation, we have heard over and over and over again Jesus get into theological discussions. But this man's testimony has, has trumped
1: and stumped everyone in this town. And it is for the glory of God, he says it from the beginning,
0: that this man was blind so that this could happen. And we'll continue to talk about the story. It's so amazing. But would you do that with me
1: in the next couple of days? Would you take inventory of what God has done in your life? And don't just write it down.
0: Once you've written it down, will you read it out loud? Would you enter into
1: a time of worship? If you have to turn on music, that's great. If you just want to talk to him and worship him in
0: words, you don't have to sing or turn on worship music to worship God. It's just glorify him, praise
1: him for what he has done. And let that be a foundation. Let that propel you into your purpose, into the creative work that he has called you into. I hope this was encouraging to
0: you guys today. I love you. I'm so glad to get to do this with you, get to talk about God's word, encourage you, hopefully give you a few helpful steps in moving forward in your faith. I love you guys. I'm excited to be back again with you on Friday. I'll see you then. I'm looking forward to it.